wants to bring life to this generation. And in Wake, you know, just if you're, if this is your first time here, like our vision is to um, basically create the Wake, to bring a spiritual awakening in this generation because there are so many walking dead souls in this generation. So many souls, so many people, so many young people, college students, high schoolers, middle schoolers, young professionals, young adults who are in a house that is burning down and they don't even know it. And God is calling each one of us to, to be used powerfully to, to fight what the enemy is trying to do in this generation. And, and I just want you to be aware of something. Like, basically, I'll just jump right into it. The, the title of this sermon is called It's War. And I, and I want you to realize that we are in a war, you know. And we already know, like, even in this world, there is basically a war happening. And, and it's just chaos. But then there's even a bigger war that's happening, and that's a spiritual war. And some people may not realize how crucial this is. Because there is more to life than just life itself. There is an eternity <coughs> happening, waiting for us to enter through. And we have to be ready for what's to come, whether eternity, uh, e like being eternally separated from the Lord, a.k.a. hell, which sucks. You know, I don't want that to happen, to be quite honest, you know. But then there is the eternity with the Father. And God didn't just create us, create you, just to live in this earth, disintegrate, and just rot in the, in the ground. No, he created you to have a relationship with him. And I think it's very important for us to realize that although God wants to bring a strong relationship with us and wants to have a relationship with each and every one of y'all, doesn't only have to happen with the pastors or the leaders. It can happen with every single person because that was God's purpose is to be in relationship with you. And as much as God has that purpose for us, there is somebody who wants to destroy that purpose. And that person is the devil. The devil is a liar, right? I hate the devil. I hate everything that he does. And the thing is, we have to understand that he's going to stop at nothing to get what he wants. And it's war, you know? It's war. And it's no, it, if he, we'll jump right into this scripture, Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly uh, places. And that scripture basically shows us that we only see flesh and, and blood. We see what's in front of us. But in the spiritual aspect, there's a war happening. And you know what that war is for? It's for your soul. There is a war, there are, there is a war fighting for each one of your soul. Not just as a group, individually. He is after your soul. And that's the truth of it. And it's like, oh my gosh, spooky stuff. Maybe you, you think that. Maybe, you know, like sometimes like, oh, this is weird stuff to be talking about. This is a, but it's the truth. And we got to realize that there, there, there is something beyond just what's in front of us. And it's war. 
And if we, it, we are in a war and it is time to wake up and realize that the enemy isn't taking a break. Not once have I ever seen the devil or, or felt the devil, like, take five. You know, it's like, hold up, just uh, let me just take a quick little coffee break. You know, you, you're good. You're good. You just, you be free for a bit. I'll just stand here and then five minutes later, okay, I'm back. No, nonstop. Devil doesn't sleep. He's crazy, you know. And he's never going to stop going after your soul. And the thing is, you need to understand that your soul is valuable. That is why he is going after you. Your soul is so valuable to God that because God's because your value to God is so high that he died that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to take and pay for your sins because of how valuable you are to him the devil knows how valuable you are I want you to understand that. The devil knows how valuable you are. Maybe you don't believe how valuable you are. Maybe you think I'm not valuable. I hate myself. I'm going through these things. Nobody loves me. Nobody thinks. That's a lie and the devil wants you to believe that because he wants you to not realize the value you are to God. And when you understand the value of your soul, you're going to understand that it really is war. It really is war. And I'm here to tell you guys before it's too late and you face the almighty God. Because it's true. We are all going to face almighty God one day. We don't know when that day is. But today is an opportunity for us to get our life right. And to stand up against the enemy and to live for God. And to live in that purpose and to have that relationship with him. The devil is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. And we need to understand his tactics. John 10.10 says this. Remember, he's a thief. So it says the, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, this is Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The devil's plan for you at the end of the day is to destroy you. To steal, kill, and destroy. But... On the contrary, Jesus' purpose for you is to have everlasting life. And the thing is, the devil will always use one weapon, and that is lies. Look, have you ever felt, have you ever gone through something that you're, you're like facing a temptation and you're just like, if only I could get over this, then I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know, I, I'm ready to just, run. if I could only get, if I could just get over my depression, if I could just get over this insecurity, if I could just get over this sexual addiction, if I could just get over this wrong way of thinking, then everything's fine after that. I want to kind of shed a little bit of light there that it's not what you are facing, it's who you are facing. Because just because you get over one thing doesn't mean the devil's not going to throw another tactic to you. The thing is, the issue is the lie. It's not just the, the, what, what, the result of the lie. It's the lie itself. It's the liar. And we need to understand that it, it's not about getting over a specific temptation. Because once you do, there's going to be another thing to overcome. And then you're going to find yourself stuck in a whole other area, a deeper hole, that it's like, it's like, I thought I got over that, and now I'm going to be over here dealing with this stuff. 
It's the never-ending cycle of what the enemy does, but you could stop the cycle of how you respond to it. You could stop the cycle uh, of believing the lies, of living in the lie, and start living in what's the opposite of a lie? Truth. There is only one thing that you can do to defeat the liar, to defeat a lie, and that's to believe and embrace the truth. But I don't know about you, but sometimes it's my tendency to, you know, once, sometimes if I hear something good, it's like, okay, great, that's awesome. But then once I hear something that's kind of contrary to that, that's bad, it's like I'm going to believe the bad more than the good. That's a natural tendency that we as humans will do, you know. Think of all the good things someone may have done to you and they wronged you once. I'm not saying you got to accept them and love them, but that one thing is the one thing you remember. And so we could have all these truths, and then once a lie is believed, then it's over. That's all we're going to see. That's where we have to realize it's, we, gotta, we need to indicate that lie, the liar, and start believing the truth. And where does the truth come from? The word of God. The truth is God's voice. We need to be reading the word of God. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when, when you feel like nothing's happening, nothing's working. Who, who, I'm sure I'm not the only one, you, you know, that's like, I'm reading the Bible, nothing's happening. You know, so I quit for a little bit. You know, I, I remember when I first started, like, reading the word, it was like, my goodness, there's a lot of words here. You know, it's like, how am I going to read all of this? I don't even know what this means, sacrifice, all this stuff, blood everywhere. This is scary, you know. And the, 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 it's like, I don't want to sacrifice animals, Lord. It's like, I didn't understand anything. But then I realized, and I was told, it's like, okay, maybe you don't understand. But again, like I said earlier, as a dad myself, Having children, you got to teach them certain things. You got to teach them. One thing you got to teach them is how to eat right, you know. It's like, no, you cannot always have donuts and cake and, and cotton candy and all that stuff, you know. But what you could have are vegetables, right. Woohoo, vegetables. No one cheered. What is wrong with you people? No. <laughs> but I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, I hated vegetables. I hated anything green, anything orange, anything gross looking, you know. It's like, oh, uh, it's like vegetables, no, candy, yes, you know. <laughs> bubble, what's that, that bubble tape, that bubble, double bubble, hubba bub, whole thing, I would eat in one sitting. Is that crazy? Yeah, I know. As a kid, I, I loved sugar, but my parents would always tell me, RJ, you have to eat your vegetables. So, and what would happen is if I didn't eat my vegetables, I couldn't play. I couldn't go and play with my friends. I'm just over there eating my vegetables, crying. But, and I'm like, I don't even like these vegetables. Why should I eat it? Now, thank the Lord that I get to eat the vegetable. I ate vegetables back then because why? The result is that I have a healthier life. I have the nutrition and the vitamins that I needed. Yet as a kid, I had no idea. So it's the same thing with the word of God. Maybe you don't know what's good for you through the Bible. But the moment you stop consuming is the moment you start to deteriorate. And you just start to get sick and unhealthy. But even if you don't understand, I'm just going to eat my vegetables from the word of God. And just, make sh and, and just believe that there's something good that's going to come out of this. And boom, one day you're going to realize that's why I had to keep reading the word of God. That's why I, I was pushed at Encounter Church, at Wake, to keep reading my Bible. Because that is what gives me life. 
So the thing is, the thing is, it's not the time to be lazy. We are at a war, people. We are at a war, and there, it, the enemy has his target on you. He has his guns pointed at you. His arrows, like we've been learning at Encounter Church, the fiery arrows. He has targets all over you, and he's ready to fire. But are you ready to stand against that? And are you ready to fight back? It's a war. We need to realize your soul is at stake. Maybe you'll succeed in life and all of this, but if this is not right, then all of it is worthless. Nothing else matters. Jesus is all that matters. So three things. We're talking about it's war. And the devil, is a, he steals, kills, and destroys. And his end purpose is to destroy your, your, your life, your soul. You know, but he, there are three things that he does to try to steal from you to make sure that you do nothing with the Lord. As in, like, you, you start to veer off track with the Lord <clears throat> or stay completely away from the Lord. And it's three things that the devil will steal from us so we could lose. Okay? And who likes to lose? I hate to lose, you know. I love to win. <laughs> and I think Jesus has, again, like Easter, shameless plug, the victory. Easter is victory. Jesus won the battle. He's won the war because of what he did on the cross. But today you may be losing. Today you may be losing your soul to the enemy. And the three things that the devil will steal, I'm just going to say them. We're going to um, go deeper in each point. Is Number one, he'll steal your, uh, our growth. He will steal our focus. And he will steal our strength. If he could steal those things, he could take away your relationship with the Lord. Technically, let me correct myself. He doesn't take away your relationship. You let it go. Okay? The devil cannot take anything that is from God. And his relationship with you is from God, by the grace of God. But the devil cannot take that away, but he could have you let go of it. Okay? That's what we need to understand. So let's talk about the first point, which is steal our growth. When this happens... We become lazy, prideful, erratic, chaotic, confused, to say the least, all those things. When, when we stop growing, we start shrinking, okay, when it comes to the things of God. When we don't grow our relationship, it starts to deteriorate. So how do we change this? We need to grow and get trained through two things, discipleship and the word. I talked a little bit about the word, so I'm going to focus a little bit more of discipleship right now. But let's read Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. Now, these are the gifts. Can you say gifts? Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip. Can you say equip? God's people to do his work and build up the church. 
the body of Christ. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let me tell you this real quick before we continue. There is a standard of Christ, and there is a standard of the world. What are we comparing ourselves to? What are we referencing to? We need to realize that how can I live to the standard? God's not ask, asking for perfection, okay? Don't, don't say I said that because I didn't. God is not saying you, know, you need to be perfect because the only one that's perfect is God. But there's a standard that God could give us by his grace through our faith that we could live and have everything that we need to live the, the life that God has given purpose for, all right? Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children, okay? We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Have you ever, like, told a lie and people completely believed you? Have you ever heard a lie and you're like, that's so true, and you realize, dang, that ain't true, you know? Lies so clever, and there are lies everywhere. So clever. We need to let the Holy Spirit, I'll say this. The Holy Spirit wants to expose the truth to you. He wants to expose those lies, but you have to let him in. You have to just be, Holy Spirit, search my heart for every lie that I may be believing. Where was I? We will not be influenced. Okay, I said that. Verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Growth. If the devil could steal our growth, he could stunt us from getting any further with our relationship with God. And this part's tricky. Like, the growth is tricky because the world, the devil says one way how to grow or how to be successful or how to become a great person or whatever. But then there's something that God says that you have to give up your life to gain it. You have to be low in, in, in order for God to exalt. It's so topsy-turvy, you know, when it comes to the truth of God compared to the, word, uh, compared to the world. But, God, but if the devil could truly steal your growth, then he's got you. As in, like, you're not going any, any further. You've hit a ceiling, and all you're going to do is start going down. And we might not even notice. So if this is you, you know, let the Lord change you. So I'm just going to talk about this a little bit. First, I'm going to mention when you are in discipleship, you're basically learning how to follow Jesus. You're learning how to love Jesus. You're learning how to obey Jesus. You're learning how to imitate, how to live like Jesus. And in return, you help others learn the same. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship isn't just like, I go to church and I'm a Christian, boom, I'm a disciple. Disciple means I follow close. I'm close to Jesus. I'm like rubbing up against him, you know. We've learned diatriboing with the Lord, but then also diatriboing with people in our life that could help us grow. So when it comes to discipleship, who's speaking into your life? Who's 
showing you and exposing the blind spots that you are walking with. And there is not only one blind spot. There, were, there could be multiple blind spots in our life. And it's like, we, who, who do you allow to speak into your life? And then the next question is, how do you receive it, you know? Do you reject it or do you take it in? Knowing that, knowing this, okay, some people think, uh, leaders just want to control my life. They just want to do this. They want to do that. You know, they want me to live this way and do that way, whatever. But in the Bible, let me read this again. First of all, leaders have their own life to deal with too. So they're not going to want to make sure you do what they want to do, you know. But it says here in the beginning of Ephesians 4.11, now these are the gifts, gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Your leaders are a gift from God. And you, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus as a disciple, could be a gift to somebody else. We need to understand and see the authority and leadership in our life, not as a burden, not as annoyance, but as a gift from God. Why? Because it's people who could speak truth into our life. It's people who could expose blind sides. You know, you also, your leaders as a gift from God is necessary. Perfect? No. No one's perfect. Leaders, no, they're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Necessary? 100%. And if the devil could take that gift away from you by you rejecting leadership in your life to have somebody speak truth into your life, you're doing the dirty work for him. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, devil doesn't have to do anything. But we got to be careful where our heart is with leaders. Because you too, as a disciple, should be a disciple maker. And you, in turn, will start to help lead somebody else. So it's not just you receive, but you could also free, you freely give what you have freely received. Okay? So... He will steal our growth by destroying our perspective of leadership and discipleship and being taught, being corrected, being confronted about things. But the, the second thing, like I was saying about um, the two things about growth is that the sword, of, the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. We need both because the word of God is the guardrails for our hearts and the truth that sets us free. And the thing is, we don't know it all. That's the thing. We don't know, know it all. We could have everything that we need, though, in the word of God, but also in those that God has graciously given us as gifts to help equip us in our life. And the moment you, stop f the, the moment you say you know it all is the moment you stop growing because then you start to become hard to being tr taught, you know? to being teachable, moldable. We need to be a river when it comes to learning. And what I mean by that is like we need to be a river which is always moving, which is always flowing, which is life-giving, 
and we need to not be a swamp, which is stagnant, lifeless, disgusting, carries all this nasty inside of us, you know? But yeah, discipleship and the word. But one uh, side little point on this is that you got to train yourself to be godly. You got to work. Living a life for Jesus, the, 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 the life is free and it's simple, but it's hard work. Because it's going against our flesh. First Tim- Timothy 4, verse 7 to 10 says this. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is save the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. I love how it says this is why we work hard. We're not supposed to be lazy people. We're not supposed to be lazy Christians. We need to fight for our soul because somebody is fighting for it too, which is the devil. He is relentless to it. We need to fight also, side note, for our purity and our holiness I remember when I realized that God won't just snap his fingers as much as I wanted it to, you know, to, to set me free from lies and, and, and struggles in my life. But he, he showed me that I could become holy because he is holy. But I had to fight for it. I had to fight for my holiness. You know, I would hear lies. I would struggle. I would have these temptations growing up and these lies that I was believing but I had to, when I realized the truth, I had to constantly reject, constantly reject, constantly reject the lies. And the moment I started to be like, it's okay, I'll just kind of let that lie slip, is the moment I start to slip, you know. But I had to come to a grip to be like, as tired as I am to reject that lie of whatever it is, maybe you're doing the same thing, but the insecurities that you're facing, the the the. The, the struggles and the addictions that you're facing. And, and you're just getting tired of having to reject and reject and reject this life. But I'm telling you now, do not get tired. Don't get tired of doing what's good. Because at the right moment, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Galatians 6, 9. That's what it says. Do not give up. So if you are on the brink of just saying, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of fighting this lie. No. I'm telling you, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop. Believing. And on that note, number two is <laughs> steal our focus. What, you know? Point number two. The devil, if he could steal your focus, he got you as well. When we don't have a focus, we have no purpose, we have no direction, we have no kingdom culture. We become driven by the flesh and not by the spirit. The devil doesn't, here's the thing, Pastor Hunter said this before, but the devil does not need to destroy you. All he needs is to distract you. And then you do the dirty work, you know, like I said. The devil does not need to destroy your life if he could distract you from the life of God. 
Proverbs 4, 25, 27 says this. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. The thing is, have you ever been driving and you're just so tired you start to lose focus? You start to swerve a little bit. Very dangerous. But sometimes we got we to gotta focus, right? We got to focus on the road. Why? Because there is a, 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 most of them are like a small margin of protection. But we have to follow the road. Why? If, even if the road is a little more open this way, it could be a one lane. You know, if we veer this way, incoming traffic. Dangerous. Veer this way, off, off the side, crash. But if we look straight ahead and we are focused, but when you're driving at night and you're so tired, sometimes you have to fight for that focus to stay awake, right? Sometimes you're just like, God, stay awake, God, stay awake, God, stay awake, God, stay awake, you know? Whatever it takes to wake up, whatever it takes to stay focused, chug a gallon of coffee, even if it's midnight, it's like, I gotta stay awake. Why? Because my life is at stake. Because my life is in danger if I lose focus. And if the devil could take your focus from Jesus, you're going to swerve off the road. And your life could be in danger. Also, did you know that you can be serving the Lord in a distracted way? Oh, but I'm doing this for the Lord, you know. Like, I, I, I want to I wanna do these missions. I want to do this stuff. I want to now preach over here. Now I want to make these disciples over here. Why is that bad? It's all for the Lord. Yeah, but if you're distracted and you're not focused on what God has in front of you, the devil could use those things and confuse you. And he could be like, yeah, it's okay. You do that. Focus here. No, no, no. Yeah, now you could start focusing here. Whereas Jesus wants you to start learning how to follow him and having sturdiness, having, being grounded, having, being planted, you know, in a place. And, and sometimes we're just so like eager and ready to go and just raise serve the Lord. But, but sometimes we have to realize what is the Lord really saying in these moments. You could totally serve the Lord distracted. And if that's you, we could, you can make things right today. You know, a few examples, switching your purpose. Oh, I feel called to do this next month. Oh, now I feel called to do this, you know. Or I'm going to serve in this area. Oh, now I don't feel like I'm going to serve there. Maybe it's because they didn't let you serve the way you wanted to. And now I'm going to go over here because this is where God called me to do. I'm still serving the Lord. Another thing is pursuing a prophetic word. Prophetic words are powerful and they're good. But if you start pursuing that, that prophetic word because somebody spoke it over you, and you're not pursuing Jesus, the one who could actually show you what you need to do, your life is wrong. Because what you're going to do is pursue a vision, pursue a, a prophetic word. That what if God is not saying that's the time? And what we're doing is we're missing over here. And what's happening? The devil is distracting us. So be careful. I'm not saying don't receive prophetic words. Receive them, put them on the shelf, and let God put them into life. You know, let him bring it into life, okay. Stop trying to pursue something that may be outside of what God has for you right now. So how do we change this? Prioritize God. You've got to prioritize God. Matthew 6, 33. 
Seek first, basically. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He will give you a few things that he wants to give you. No. Everything. I want you to think of that need that you have. Not only materialistic, but like you need help in this. You need a change in this. You need freedom in this. You need a miracle in this. You need whatever. Answer, seek God. Why? Because you're focused on him. Peter, when he got off that boat, and he was focusing on Jesus, it's like, Lord, call me out. Let me walk on water. Let me be the one that everyone sees walking on water, you know. And it's like, okay. And then he looks over to the side, and this, the thing, and then he starts to drift. Why? Distracted. But he said, look at me. Jesus says, look at me. No matter how tired we could get, keep looking at him. When we prioritize our pursuit for God, everything will fall into place. Everything. And I've experienced that in my life, where I've pursued Jesus first, above everything, above dreams, above purpose, above a desire to see something happen, if I just pursued Jesus and just spent time with him and learned what it took to be a true Christian, things just started to fall into place. Things just started to open up and I'm like, oh, that's the next step that I have to do. Stop trying to figure it out, but focus on God. Some of our eyes are on ourselves too much. What is it for me, God? What do you have it for me? What, what's my purpose? What do I need to do? Now I have to do this. I want to do this. I want to see this happen, you know? When am I going to get married? <laughs> you know, God has all of that for you. God has all of that. Do not fret. Do not be scared. Because God has everything that you need. And the thing is, prayer is the key to same focus. How is your prayer life? Are you praying? Is it lacking? Is it sporadic? Is it self-centered? You know, what's your prayer life like? So point number one, steal our growth. Point number two, steal our focus. And point number three, steal our strength. If the devil could steal your strength, then you give up. But how does he steal our strength? He steals our joy. I need you to understand, if he could steal your joy, you're done. You're done with, with, with your strength. You're done with truly following the Lord. Because what happens is, without joy, we become weak. We become complacent unmotivated, self-centered, worried, the feeling of burning out, the feeling of, I don't want to do this anymore. Without joy, we have no strength to pursue the relationship with God. This is why people quit living and serving for the Lord. Sometimes it could be like, Oh, they're offended because of this, or this person did this to this person. But I feel like that's just, honestly, that's just one thing that, that was just resulted of it. Because if they had the joy of the Lord, if they had the relationship with God, they'd learn, we would learn how to really work out relationships, 
we would learn how to deal with circumstances and situations in our life. And so if the devil could steal your joy, he could steal your strength. And then you have nothing to do to fight in the war. We should be the most joyful people in the world, Christians. But you know what? What I found out, and this just sucks, man. This sucks. Like, this generation is one of the most sour-looking faces in the, ever. Christians. Like, for real. I've been there. And if you've been there, start smiling. Start finding the joy of the Lord because that is your strength. I, wa- I just, if you are constantly complaining about where you are in life right now, with Jesus, you're missing joy. Because when we enjoy where we are in the Lord right now, we are fully satisfied and will keep moving forward. But the reason why you're not satisfied is because you're not looking at Jesus as your source of joy. Because we are constantly complaining that this isn't enough. Where I am in life is not enough. How I'm serving God today is not enough. Jesus, I expect more. I deserve more. When we lack joy of where we are, we're not satisfied. When we think trials and difficulties and hardships, okay, who has had trials, difficulties, and hardships lately? Yeah, right? When we think of these things, we think trials and difficulties and hardships are the cue for us to be activated in our flesh. It's like, oh, now life is hard. Let me, like, start living how I used to live, responding the way I want to. But it's quite the opposite. Because in James 1, 2, get this, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. So how do you respond to trial in your life? How do you respond to the hardships in your life? It's like, oh, my life sucks. I hate my life. Uh, You know? No, it should be like, praise God that we have the joy of the Lord. Because even though my life sucks right now, you don't. And I love you, Jesus. And I know you have everything that I have. And I'm moving forward. We need to be people who are activated in joy, no matter what gets thrown at us, okay? Joy, listen to this. And this blew my mind when God spoke this to me. Joy is dependent on Jesus and not who we are or our circumstance. It is dependent on Jesus. How do we change this? Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. We need to pursue the presence of God. You need to fight for your joy. We're in a war, people. And we need the strength. We need the strength to go against the enemy. But you need the joy to lift you up. So the next time you start facing something, you know, oh, I just got fired. I'm not saying like, woohoo, I got fired. But it's more like, dang. Dang. 
I got fired, but I know that God is going to provide everything that I need, and he's going to tell me what I need to do. Let me start finding a new job, you know. Oh, I don't have enough money. Mm, you know, but it's like, okay, I don't have enough money, but God is my provider, and I, I, I'm, just, I'm just happy that I have a God who provides. Praise God, you know. We will get tired. We will get weary. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're at a war. Did you, your life is being fought for. Your soul is being fought for by the devil. And maybe you're here today and you're just like, I don't even know where to begin. It begins with Jesus. So let's just close our eyes. Let's just focus our attention on Jesus. Maybe you're here today. And you realize that your life is not right. I feel like there was no mistake why you're here. The Holy Spirit wanted to wake you up, wake your spirit up into the realization that we are in a spiritual war. But the thing is that the devil seems to always forget is that the war has already been won because of what Jesus did on the cross. I know it sounds like, man, there's a lot to do to do this. No, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you earn life from God. This is a free gift. The gift of life is by the grace of God, but it's only for those who believe that could receive fully. Because it's by grace through faith that we have received the true salvation of Jesus. And I feel there are some of us here that we hear, hear all these things, the points of the devil is after my soul. And if he could seal my growth, my focus, and my joy, then my life is in danger. But I don't even know where to start or where to have my relationship with God. It starts with repenting of the things that you've been doing in your life that are not of God. Sin, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short to the glorious standard of God because of sin. But God so graciously sent Jesus to die in our place. The, way, the penalty for sin is death. And we are supposed to pay that penalty. Something had to give. But Jesus decided that he wants to give himself in your place. And I feel like there's some of us here that, that have felt hopeless, that felt lost, that is drowning right now. I just have a picture of someone in the middle of the ocean. This is how you feel. And you're just drowning you're gasping for air because you just cannot take life any longer. And that you have nowhere to turn. 
But Jesus is the lifesaver for you. Jesus is your rescuer. And if that's you and you realize, I need rescuing from Jesus. I need to change. I need to repent of my sins. What you need to do is you need to accept the Lord into your heart. Let him be your Lord and Savior. Let him be the one that, that leads you.